You are listening to an Elegant Weapon Podcast. What are y'all doing in here? We're smoking reefer. And you don't want no part of this shit. Hi, this is Ray Park. I play Darth Maul in The Phantom Menace, and you're listening to an Elegant Weapon Podcast. Check it out, listen, make sure the force is strong. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. This is a journey into sound. Gentlemen, welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 121. I am your host, my name is Jay, the Jedi Ross. Please excuse me while I exercise my right to vaporize. I'm just going to say it straight out. You know, you should see the Avengers after you hit like one great big bud of Hulk. Because this movie is a That's right, kids. We've got digital. (sighs) The digital savior of the lungs. That's indeedly true. Uh, I have a brand new ELVT vaporizer courtesy of the fine people over at Ken U Puff, which is an awesome electronics like uh, devices and e-cigarette and vaporizer store. Uh, You can find it at 113 Lakeshore Road West in Oakville, Ontario. Go check it out. They've got a huge variety of fun things to smoke all sorts of fun things out of. So, uh, indeed, do that. It's good to be back, kids. I hope you enjoyed our chat last week with uh, Michael Kingston of Headlocked. Uh, It's an intense comic book, and I hope you checked out the Kickstarter. And if you enjoyed it, I hope you support it. Um, He is currently, as we record this... At New York Comic Con, which is happening right now, this weekend. So by the time this is posted, obviously it'll be over. But uh, it's fun because so many friends are there. It's insane. One friend hanging out with us this evening. He is the co-host of Drunk on Comics podcast all the way from Michigan. Our good friend, Derek. Hello, Derek. What is going on, brother? Not too much. Uh, From what you tell me, you're in a similar state to me. But my brain, in fact, is hurting. We both kind of tied one on last night, this Saturday afternoon here, that we're just uh, chilling out, kind of licking our wounds. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, – well, last night was the home opener for the uh, the Grand Rapids Griffins, which is uh, the, the farm team that's one step directly below the, the Detroit Red Wings. And so all the guys that go up and down, you know, they come through Grand Rapids to go up to the, the – the, or go up to the, uh, Detroit. So – Home opener last night. My dad and I have season tickets, and uh, 
yeah, it's it's kind of hard to say no. They have two dollar beers, and then you go to the bar after that, and I don't know what they charge for those beers, but I had a lot of those too. <laughs> two dollar beers, hey hey hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh oh, I I got to tell you, man, um, you you were uh, you were being discussed with uh, me and my girl Mel, who you know you, you got the got to hang out with us at at Toronto, or we got to hang out with you. However, that one worked. Right. Um, but she was talking about like walking through. Because she's at New York Comic Con right now. Yes. She's talking about how she's like going through and just trying to move around, and and, and I and I asked her. I said, "So when you went through, did you say excuse me, or did you go, or did you just go sorry, sorry?" <laughs> <laughs> she goes, "It was in my head the whole time." <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's pure just the translation, you know, Canadian for uh, for excuse me is I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's uh, but yeah, I'm so jealous, man. She is having so much fun right now out there. Oh, of course she's having a blast. Can you believe we were just saying how many people we know that are out there? It's uh, I feel kind of left out. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and she she's been uh, an absolute sweetheart because she's done some deliveries for me and uh, uh, of some some of the ink whiskey flasks out to a few people. Um, she uh, she took some to uh, Kevin Joseph in Ludovic's L.A. Our friends that you know, I think you're the one that introduced me to the Tart comic book, and uh, so she she dropped a couple flasks off to them, and she picked up my uh, my books from them and my original page from them, and and uh, Christmas Skevich from Thomas Alsop. She took a a flask, and then uh, our our other mutual buddy who I don't I haven't met in person yet, and this is one of the reasons why I was a little jealous is because she's getting to meet people that we know. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, the fat lantern, Dominic. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, he just tweeted at, at me that, uh, he liked his flask that we gave him so much that he went over to the ink whiskey booth and bought another one. I saw him with pictures of that. Yeah. He's actually go to Facebook kids and find the page for the fat lantern. And that's, uh, that's Dominic and he's having a blast. He's putting all pictures up with, uh, you know, Ted DiBiase and a whole bunch of fucking classics. So yeah. Fat Lantern on Facebook. Check it out. Yeah, and on Twitter. And on Twitter, yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. They're having a blast out there, man. And those flasks are cool. Um, is it just uh, inkwhiskey.com? That's it. Yeah. Um, what what Derek's referring to is uh, sponsors of the show Drunk on Comics over there. Are these guys, Ink Whiskey, and what they have done is they've created uh, retro Nintendo cartridges that are actually flasks. And uh, they're fantastic. What are some of the names on yeah, there? They, uh, well, the the we Drunk Hunt I think was the original, um, and uh, Super Bar Hot Bros, Castle Vodka, Legend of Drink, um, and the Legend of Drink. If you can go see them at I a convention, <laughs> yeah. If you see them at a convention, they actually have uh, gold like electroplated ones. Like that, that not they have the regular gray ones, but they have the the convention exclusives. Um, they have metal beer, and then the brand new one is Kegaman. <laughs> Kegaman. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's priceless. Yeah, check that out, guys. It's <laughs> online. It's uh, and they seem like nice dudes too. I got to meet them at Van Expo there. So. Oh, they're fantastic people. I, I, you know, that right there is is probably the best partnership that we could have found. You know, with them and their product and us and our show, you know, I mean, that, that, that's a match made in heaven for us. So I'm thrilled. That oh we yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like you were made for each other. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I tell you what, I think that flask is going to get a workout tonight because uh, that thing is so much fun when you take that like out to a bar or a party or something like that. And you pull that out like because it fits in your back pocket so perfectly. You yeah. pull that out and people are like, why do you have a Nintendo flask? And then you pull the little finger <laughs> out and you take and you take a pull off of it. And people are like, going, what, what the fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> I love watching it at cons because everyone comes up and they're like, look at all these old Nintendo games. And then when they realize every one of them is like, holy shit, it's a flask. And yeah. you hear that quote all day long. <laughs> yeah, it's just sheer joy. Yeah. People yeah. get so excited. It's uh, it's really cool shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, so you and I have to talk about something because people are excited um, about things, but not necessarily in the same way. And uh, you, you, you've been kind of uh, – poking me a little bit for a while with with uh, Marvel and the X-Men and Fantastic Four and shit. Indeed. Uh, let's, uh, let's hold that for a second. Let's hold that thought. Um, but yes, we are going to get deep into that discussion in a moment. But I just needed to address something very quickly because uh, I have yet to give my thoughts and opinions on the new Star Wars Rebels cartoon. So... Uh, okay. you, so I just wanted to uh, bring this up because since last time I recorded, the new Rebels cartoon started, and uh, a lot of people are very happy about a lot of things. So Rebels is this new cartoon, and it uh, takes place 14 years after Revenge of the Sith and five years before A New Hope. Uh, it's about a gang of kind of uh, rebellious smuggler-type people who uh, – it's kind of the first stirrings of the rebellion, you know what I mean? And uh, it's a super cool cartoon. The animation is kind of done in a different style than we're used to from the Clone Wars. And a lot of people are very upset about how the Wookiees are done differently. And uh, I'd have to agree. But other than that, that's been the big Wookiee complaint. But I, other than that, I thought the writing was super cool. It was, uh, it was a really neat idea the way that they started this without just going bang into here's your rebellion. And it, it's, it's totally like the seeds of rebellion. You know what I mean? So, you know, the Empire is in full control, and uh, this one guy who is the hero of our uh, – Karan Jarrus, is, uh, he's like the hero of this little band of uh, rebels. And uh, it's great because at one point in the show, he reveals to, uh, to the Empire, in fact, that he is a Jedi. And, uh, you know, some of these stormtroopers haven't seen Jedis for, like, you know, 14 years and shit. They don't know what the hell's up. So whenever a Jedi does pop up, they're all, like, their knees start shaking and, you know, they don't know how to handle the situation. There's a really cool scene. So anybody who's just seen it, they, they know the scene I'm talking about. And uh, it's super rad. So, yes, I am on board for Star Wars Rebels. That was my favorite thing about it so far was the way that they're handling uh, the Jedis and uh, the Force and the uh, the way it's all covert now. It kind of reminds me of the whole S.H.I.E.L.D. thing that's happened uh, on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., how they've had to go covert and kind of, you know, do everything underground and unknown. And uh, it, it's really neat to see that there's a group of surviving Jedi that are trying to, you know, keep shit going. So, okay, there you so go. I, I, I need to go back here. Why are people pissed off about the Wookiees? The Wookiees are weird because the Wookiees in the Clone War were done like kind of shaggy-haired and they looked like Wookiees. And now they're doing them in this really sleek, uh, kind of uh, textureless way. And they just oh, kind so, of... so so they're like they're like hipster Wookiees. Kind of, absolutely. You're told yes, you nailed it. They are absolutely hipster Wookiees compared to the good old you know hi hippie wo Wookiees. So. 
that's it does look kind of funny the animation is not fantastic it's i don't think it's as good as uh clone wars was but they're they're trying something different with it which i understand like it's kind of stylized but uh i do think that the actual animation itself is suffering a bit due to this stylization so that's not my favorite thing about it but the episode the premiere hour-long episode was so well written that i'm on board for the writing so far is i like the story Okay. I'm, not, I'm not in love with the animation. I don't think it's the greatest, but the story so far, I'm really down with. And uh, I really like these characters. They've presented us some really good characters to get to know at first. You know, there's some cliched ones like, you know, the big brute guy and kind of the mother of the group and all that kind of stuff. But but they're they're interesting enough characters that uh, kids watch Rebels and we'll we'll talk about it together as the weeks go on. We'll see where this show goes. And we'll see how it's going to connect uh, into everything coming for Episode 7. Because very, very soon it's going to be coming. Episode 7. So excited. Um, and just quickly to touch on Episode 7, there have been massive rumors, as there are every hour on the hour about Episode 7. And that's that uh, there's going to be a crazy huge twist. Uh, kind of like the I Am Your Father Darth, Darth Vader reveal that's going to happen in uh, in this series. Is, is it uh is it going to be the I am your sister? It may be. It's uh most people are speculating that uh, Luke's going to have turned to the dark side and oh. uh, end up being the actual villain of the whole thing, and then uh, they've got to kind of bring him back to the light or some kind of shit. That's been big speculation. Speaking of uh, turning to the dark side, did you see that video of like some little girl at like Universal Studios or whatever? So good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're like you know they walk up and and they expect the kids to want to fight Darth Vader and she just kneels down to be knighted. <laughs> what? You want to join him? <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and uh super cool news about this, uh, rebel show though, is they just announced that Darth Vader will be on the show and he will be officially voiced by James Earl Jones. All too easy. Yes. I did hear that. Yeah. That's... So that's really, really exciting news and uh, cool that James Earl Jones gets to do something cool, you know. So yeah, but it, it, uh, yeah, I, I had the feeling that of ten million nerds uh, screaming in unison, you know, across the world, <laughs> and 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 it never went out, you know, <laughs> just kept burning. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, uh, that's enough percolation on uh, the universe there, so uh, why don't we get into some comic book conversation? Um, you were just about to explain something that we've been going back and forth on uh, for a couple weeks now. Why don't you go ahead and continue that explanation? Okay, so the, com the, the conspiracy theory uh, that, that you and other people seem to have is that Marvel is canceling Fantastic Four and canceling x-men and doing everything they can because they're pissed because they don't own the rights to those characters uh for the marvel cinematic universe and they are canceling fantastic four now uh is what i've officially heard i think it was like issue 645 or something like that is when it's going to be done something like that um and but you know now there's this this little thing that came out of new york comic-con saying no more mutants and so people are like going, oh, see, they're killing the X-Men off. And this is why they're, you know, they're Marvel's just trying to stick it to Fox because they want the rights and Fox won't sell them back. Um, so that's that's the, the basis of it. 
Uh, okay, so uh, the No More Mutants thing, that's uh, the, one of the newest things I've heard. Now, how are they handling that? They're not going ahead and doing a whole Scarlet Witch type thing in the story again, are they? Or are they... Scarlet Witch is involved in this, um, and I need to find – there's uh, – They can't flat yeah, out just redo No More Mutants, can they? No, no, and um, and I'm trying to remember. I think it was Newsarama that um, talked to one of the executive editors, Mike Martz, at New York Comic Con, and he said that No More Mutants is an Avengers story, not an X-Men event. Um, so, you know, and I guess it's something that's going to be coming out of Axis. And now the one thing that, that got people <clears throat> all up in arms is, there's this new Alex Ross like image that was released, which is basically like a giant poster type image. And it's, it's the whole thing for this, this new um, secret wars event. That's going to be spring and summer of next year. And people notice that there's no fantastic four characters in this, in this image. And there are absolutely no X-Men in this image, but it's primarily just Avengers in here. And people are going, Look, see, they aren't in here. They're going to get rid of them. They're going to kill them. Um, but I guess Mike Martz did say that the X-Men are going to be very involved with with the Secret Wars, um, even despite the fact that there was no, there weren't any mutants shown in that image. Now, with the Secret Wars, which I'm, I was a huge fan of the Secret Wars because when I was a young kid, that's exactly what you want. You want to see everyone at once. And that's just the coolest team up there is, right? Yeah. So it's cool to do that again, and I don't see how it could be done. It wouldn't be the Secret Wars because that was the point of the Secret Wars if you don't have everyone involved. Now, a lot of this whole conspiracy thing is – I think there's actually a lot more depth to it than just kind of they're trying to stick it to them. I think there's a whole bunch of kind of political play going on here. I think part of this is Marvel – uh, or more, I should say, Disney, kind of flexing their financial muscles in a way, being like, look, Marvel's not going to fail. Like, the comics are never going to fail now. It's not like, you know, our main concern is if these comics are selling, because we can afford it. We can take a little bit of a hit, almost, to kind of play with it and, you know, do different things with it. And I don't know if they're necessarily just screwing with things to try and get back in Sony and Fox or whatever because I don't think they I don't think it's prime that you know what I mean I think there's more to it yeah but there's something got to be going on where because this whole thing eventually in a way may implode on itself you know this whole genre movie thing if people get greedy enough and just start doing silly things the art is going to suffer so much <laughs> that you know I hope they can just start kind of coming to agreements you know well, you know, I, I think the, the, the major issue with this where a lot of people, you know, are going, well, they aren't having any new toys allowed to be made and they aren't doing this and they aren't doing that. And I don't remember who it was from Marvel, but they said it. And if people don't understand this, you know, I kind of feel I, I feel sorry for them. But Marvel has things like the Avengers and the Guardians of the Galaxy and all these other properties, which they own 100 percent of the rights to. And they, you know, they made an analogy, whoever it was, um, it, it was one of the higher ups at Marvel. It was a very, very honest thing where they basically said, look, 
if it takes us 10 hours to put into, you know, 10 hours worth of work uh, to go into a, a Wolverine action figure, and it takes 10 hours worth of work for us to go and do something for a, a Captain America action figure, but we only retain a percentage of the profits from the Wolverine character, why would we do the same amount of work for not the full amount of, of money? And it makes sense. You know, I mean... There's only so many business hours in, in a day or in a week or in a year. And if they want to be as profitable as possible, they have to look at the areas where they can be the most profitable. It's and a, I, I cannot that's a blame good explanation, them. though. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You just laid that out well. It's, uh, it's kind of like uh, it's weird how now I've heard there's discussions that because Spider-Man 2 didn't do so well – that Sony, it's always seemed that for some reason Sony executives have been more open to maybe working together with Marvel. You know? Yeah, there are there there are rumors that that there are deals um, being dis- discussed between Sony and Marvel, um, but nobody has concrete evidence. And the one article that I read uh, kind of compared it to passing notes in class, but Sony hasn't checked the yes or no box yet. <laughs> you know, that's, it's kind of in that, that yeah. realm. Um, I would but, really, yeah, really, I mean, really Spider-Man's, hope. Yeah. No, I, Spider-Man's a hard property. Um, in, in my opinion, by himself. Spider-Man as part of the larger, you know, Marvel universe, not as big of a deal. Um, but what I did hear though, is that, you know, cause Sony apparently has like a sinister six movie in the works. Um, and if that fails, you know, they still basically what it is, is that they have to make a movie with Spider-Man in every three years to retain the rights to that character. So if it fails the absolute soonest that Marvel could pull the rights back, if Sony just gave up on it would be 2019, which means the absolute earliest you'd see a movie would be about 2020. So that's a way it's out. Yeah, I, I, you know what? If it was to happen or some sort of miracle, I really hope that they would keep Garfield because I think he's a fantastic Spider-Man personally. I really, really like his portrayal of the whole thing. And could you imagine how it would screw things up if – because you know, Marvel's got how many phases laid out for how many years, right? Imagine if something did happen that they worked out, they got Spider-Man back. That would have to change so much, like the ripple effect by something like that, because then they'd be automatically, they'd be like, oh, well, we got to put him in Avengers 3, and, you know, we got to put him in this, or we got to do whatever. So I think that would be, it would be pretty cool, but it's dreams. And, uh, you know, speaking of, of, of having your universes blend, I'm curious if there will be a any kind of cameos for like Daredevil or Luke Cage or any of those other Netflix shows that Marvel's got in development. If any of those people are going to make crossovers, even like little bit parts in, in the, the movies or, or vice versa, people from the movies making cameos into the, the Netflix TV show. They have declared that they are in the same universe. So I guess right. once you say that, there's no other reason to say that except for, yeah, there'll be cameos. Like, why else bother making it in the same universe if they're not going to cross over here and there, right? Well, I, I always just wanted, like, uh, you know, Matt Murdock to come in and have to uh, 
defend the Avengers against like you know all the property damage. Oh yeah, that'd be that'd be totally awesome. I think it's gonna work kind of like that. I think when they get to a certain point, that's why I think uh, you know DC and Marvel and Warner Brothers they're kind of watching what's happened because you know Flash has been a huge success. Uh, Agents of Shield not quite doing as well as they'd hoped, even though I'm really enjoying this season. Well, Agents of Shield, honestly, um, no, I'm I'm behind on this quite a bit. Um, but then again, I don't watch that much TV, so I'm not surprised that I got I I just tend to forget that TV shows are on. Um, but the Agents of Shield, I think the one best the the best way that that somebody described it to me is they go, look, it's a one hour long advertisement for the Avengers and everything Marvel movies that comes on every week. And it's just a one hour ad. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. That's, that's perfect. It doesn't have to do well as long as it, it keeps drawing people back to the movies. If that's all their expectation of is it, of it is then yeah, absolutely for sure. But, uh, the, the, the way DC's going about it is yes, it's, we already know, of course, flash and arrow have already, already crossed over green arrow appeared on, the first episode of Flash, and Flash used to be, or Barry Allen at least, used to be on uh, Green Arrow. But they did a strange little thing where in Gotham, they, if in one of the back scenes, uh, background scenes, there is a Queen building. Oh. So they've actually opened the door for the possibility that these universes could cross over. Because I think in the comics, Green Arrow was a tiny bit older than Batman. So, you know, that could be some kind of future thing. But uh, this is all, again, just speculation and a lot, of course, all these rumors that go on. But I really wanted to see, like, like, like it came down with, uh, like, basically, let's let's round it out with, uh, let's discuss the death of Wolverine here, if that's all right with you. I, actually, I, I, before we do, I want to come back to this whole, like, some of the things that I've been hearing people say, if you don't mind, about, no, yeah, go ahead. about the, uh, that Marvel is trying to kill the, the, the mutant stuff. And this will tie into killing Wolverine too. But one of the things that, that I found interesting is that Chris Claremont was quoted in an interview as saying that, um, that the X department was forbidden to create new characters. Now, the, the reason for this, what he said was that um, it's because any new mutants that would, would be created would become the film property of Fox. The interesting part is he's created new. Uh, he himself has created at least one new mutant in his uh, Nightcrawler book. So I'm a little confused on that. That is confusing. So to like what extent does this right thing work as far as the comics? Do they have the rights on all X-Men comic characters up to the point they bought the rights? Or does it include all future X-Men? <laughs> That'd be kind of crazy. Well, and then I heard other things that are... are different as to whether or not that basically they have everything up until Marvel redid the whole Marvel now thing that basically anything with Marvel now, um, they don't necessarily have to share the rights with that, but I don't know how true that is. So, you know, well, at the, like, think about at the time you got to put yourself in the, in the mind mindset of at the time that they were making this deal at the time that Marvel sold all these rights to Fox, they were like, awesome. Like, this was great. This was like, you take them all. You run with them. You make movies. You make us millions. Hey, we finally get to make X-Men movies. And in their minds, 
they're probably thinking of the future, thinking, of course you can have future characters because we'll want to keep adding to these movies, right? Yeah. And well, now, you know, just because of the way things are, it's kind of backfired a little, right? Well, at the same time, when Marvel sold the rights, Marvel was in, in some financial struggle at the time. You know, they they sold it not out of just the chance to make more money down the road. They sold it as somewhat out of necessity as well. So, you know, I, I don't blame them um, for making the deal that they did. It was a smart business decision. And, you know, I just think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that don't want to look at the real business side of what's going on with Marvel, and they 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 take a little bit too much. Um, they take it personally when when something is happening to their character, like Wolverine, for instance. You know that Marvel is killing Wolverine off. Go fuck yourself. You know that that's true. But you know, and, and Jay, I don't remember if you got a chance to talk to uh, to Charles Soule at. Um, at Motor City or not, but, you know, we talked to him about the death of Wolverine and all that because we all know that nobody except for Uncle Ben stays dead in comic books. That's right. You know. And it, the Waynes. Well, yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah. you know what? Technically not after they did, uh, what's the uh, the Flashpoint paradox there? Because uh, when Flash goes to the alternate universe, it's actually Bruce had gotten killed and Thomas Wayne became Batman. Oh yeah, it's neat. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's a there there is that, but no, like, and and I remember I asked him like, you know, I said, what's it like dealing with this? You know, because everybody's gonna go, want to know when he's coming back, this and that. And Charles had the perfect answer, and he goes, he goes, look, he goes, whether he stays dead or not, he goes, if it's a good story that you've never heard before, wouldn't you want to read it? And I was like. Fair enough. And I tell you what, have you been reading this book? I was just about to say, I am loving this book. Yeah. Um, yeah. From the writing to the art to everything, it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's a, and, and you if you've got the book in front of you, you can correct me, but I mean, Charles Soule's doing the writing, um, Steve McNiven is doing uh, the, the line work, I think Jay Lystan is doing the, uh, the inks, and Justin Ponsor is doing the colors on that book. And Dead it is... On. It is. It's kind of weird sometimes that I know that shit, isn't it? But uh, you retain well about silly things. Not well, that that's a silly thing. Which is surprising, considering how many fucking brain cells I kill on a, on a daily basis. <laughs> but no, it's a. Uh, that is probably one of the best all around packages I've ever seen, from you know, writer to pencils to inks to colors. That like I mean it it is amazing what's going on with that. Yeah. And as as a fanboy who loves the production of a comic book, the stuff that they're throwing in the back, like the scripting and and the rough work on the pencils and adding this and and oh my god, that's that's worth like the extra buck or whatever. You know. Totally this. is. Totally agree. My favorite thing though is that there are two stories almost being told at once in this book. As far as your written story and certain devices that are telling their own story while serving the written story. And I will explain. For instance, a uh, little bit of a spoiler here, but it's not too much here. But there's a scene in the comic book where uh, the Wolverine goes into a bar. He walks into this bar, and then the next panel is a flashback, like a black and white panel. like It looks like old-timey art 
of him walking into the same pub like decades ago, right? So while that serves the purpose of going along with him, you know, showing that he's old and he's been on these journeys or whatever, it's telling his own story through visuals that aren't relying on the writing themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes uh, makes total sense. And that's actually, that's one of those great things when you have a writer like Charles Soule and artists like Steve McNiven where you know it was in the script that that Soule said, I want you to show this. And, you know, he probably left it, I, I'm guessing, he probably left it fairly open as far as how he wanted to do it, but gave him like a little bit of an idea here and there. And uh, from what I do know of, of Charles Soule, both meeting him and talking to people like Ryan Stegman who work with him, Charles is great at working with his artists, and he definitely has a vision for what he wants um, in there. But he's, he's you know, very hands-on with his artists that, that he teams up with, which I think is awesome. This so. book is pure evidence of it, like uh, everything about it. There's not a single complaint I would really give to this comic book. Um, nothing bothered me. And, like, right from the opening page, the scene of him just sitting here beat up and... Oh, yeah. Lord. And then the second issue. Uh, you've read the second issue, yeah? Yep, I've read the second and the third. His, uh, I have not read the third yet. But uh, the second issue, just the, the appearance they give him and stuff, <laughs> with his like hipster beard and his James Bond look, it's, yeah. it's brilliant. And like you were saying, uh, I liked these ones, uh, these uh, outtake sketches at the back, because they showed the variation on what he might have looked like without the beard when they had him all, like, cropped and shaven. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, total, total awesome super added bonus. Yeah, it's it's really cool. Like, there was one where, like, Steve McNiven had, like, you know, the the um, the drawing of Viper with Sabretooth, you know, chained like a dog. <clears throat> and, yeah. and he had to scrap it and completely start over because he realized that the, that the scale of Sabretooth was just wrong. And and he's like, and I felt like that's one of those things when you sit there and you're like going, oh my god, like I I would be devastated if I put that much work into something and then went, nope, this is wrong, I gotta I gotta start over. It's kind of perils of the job. Yeah. Right? Yeah. When you're when you're you know when you pick that that line of work, that kind of shit happens. So. Well, you know, and I guess that's one of the reasons why a lot of people now are are doing uh, are doing things digitally. It helps for sure, but I still think something's lost there. You know, there's just something in the translation. I don't think we're quite there yet because when you see pencils, like you know, because you own original art and you know pencil pages, it's just mm -hmm. it's incredible. Like you just feel their talent oozed out onto the page. Like, well, and just... it's 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 funny too because you'll have some people that, um, like Seth the Moose. Uh, who is the the artist on um, Dirk Manning's book right now? Uh, Tales of Mr. Ree, um, Carmageddon. I, is it Carmageddon? Is that the one that's out now? Yeah, Carmageddon. Yeah. Yeah. I just couldn't remember because uh, what the first one was. It's volume two of Tales of Mr. Ree. Um, but Seth does everything digitally. Um, but yeah, I've got, I don't know how many, probably four-ish um, original sketches from him from conventions, which by the way, if, any of your listeners or our listeners ever see Seth out in a show, go get a sketch from him because he is uh, insanely talented 
and he charges very, very small amounts of money for what he should be charging quite a bit more for. But you look at like the sketches that he's done for me by hand and his digital work in the in the comics, and they're different, but they are but they're but they're both very unique and beautiful in their own way. So I don't know. I prefer the I prefer the things done by hand myself because I think that you get a lot more layer I agree. In, involved there. Yeah. But at the same time, if you know how to digital how to do things digitally some people you can't tell the difference. It's you know, uh, yeah, you know I would almost call this whole death of Wolverine. A, you know when you first hear it, you're like, okay, you automatically think it's a stunt, right? Make some money. Um, but it's just so good that you forgive any of that. You're like, you want to read this story. Like no one wants to lose Wolverine, but after reading the first two issues of this. You know he's gonna go out hardcore. You know what I mean? It's yeah. gonna be. It's not gonna be an unworthy death of any kind. So. Now, have you seen the variant covers? I'm not sure. Um, what are the variant covers? Well, the regular covers all kind of have that like polyfoil look to them. The silhouette, yeah, yeah, I, the, yeah. That's what I. The, have. the metallic, shiny, you know, look. Yeah. They have Canadian variants. Do they? How do I not know that? <laughs> I, I don't know, and it pissed me off because Matt just went and grabbed it off the shelf at whatever comic shop he went to, and that was the one that was sitting there. But yet, I haven't even seen the Canadian variants at my shop, and my shop is awesome, and they always normally have that kind of stuff. What do the Canadian variants look like? Uh, pretty much the same cover, just with maple leaves on them. Oh, interesting. Um, I have to look into that. I had yeah. my guys put it on. I'm surprised my guys didn't put it in my pull for me. Doug and Dave at Altered States Comics, but uh, I'm sure we can rectify that situation. Yeah, I I haven't bothered to ask, you know, for them. They're they are cool, um, but they aren't shiny. They they aren't the metallic. Right. right. Speaking of, uh, I got a little bit of a segue to go with off of that. Speaking of shiny metallic covers, DC's Future's End began. Yeah. And, and I don't fully understand it. I've read three Future's End issues. I have read Justice League, uh, Batman, and Justice League United. Okay. And uh, they have those. They have the crazy old school holography covers. Yeah. And uh, you know they they've gone for that gimmick on this Future's End thing. And uh, I'm not quite with the sure what the deal is because these three issues that I read, uh, Justice League United leads into Justice League. And. They go together, and they're five years in the future. Then I read Batman, which is a standalone story, yet is also five years in the future. I'm not exactly sure where they're going with this or what's happening, but uh, it's kind of a cool story. I don't know if these are meant to be one-shot. Oh, actually, they're they're all meant to be one-shot. So I thought this was going to be some sort of theme, like Throne of Atlantis type thing or, or something, right? Yeah, but it turns out it's just kind of some weird single issues thing they're doing. Where they're—I don't know if it's going to tie together in the end, or if they'll do a one shot that kind of unites them all. But it almost seems like just an excuse for a shiny cover and a story that's five years in the future. So not sure where they're going with this. I'd probably have to read some other titles to see if they're maybe going to connect or whatever. Uh, but I'd just like to say the Batman was awesome. The Batman was really, really well done. I want to mention who the artist was because uh, 
um, I can't remember, and it was very good. I know Faybach did the cover, but the inside has a has a really nice, thick kind of almost old school look to it. And let me just quickly, what the hell? Is Some content pages get put so far back now, you know? Oh, I hate when. I hate when they're in the back of the book, but I hate more when they're like halfway through. Yeah, it's I don't understand it. It's supposed to be second page or first paper if you look at it that way, maybe. Inside front cover is where I think it should be. Yeah, absolutely. Because this is just silly. I mean, I can't even tell you find people who actually drew this stupid comic book because uh, I will tell you art by ACO. Who the hell is that? I have no idea. I don't know either. Literally, I don't know if it's ACO or if it's ACO. There's no dots or anything like that. It just says ACO. <laughs> okay. But it's a, it's a really, really cool book. It's a cool one-shot story by uh, Ray Fox and Scott Snyder. Um, Ray Fox wrote it. Scott Snyder and Ray Fox did the story. And uh, it's really, really cool. Uh, our good friend Lex Luthor is in there. And uh, I enjoyed it. So as a one-shot, definitely pick that one up. Now, uh, I don't usually – I try to stay positive on this show, right? I hate to talk shit. I hate to put anything down. But I have to – and I'm not trying to say this to be mean, but Justice League United and Justice League Number 1 are drawn by Jed Doherty. Okay. I'm not familiar with him. They're awful. Really? <laughs> They're really, really bad. And I, I don't know – I'm not familiar with anything else he's done other than these two comic books. But the art is like <laughs> – it's color book level. You know, like when you, you, go know, to a, when you go to a dollar store and get a coloring book for your kid, like Batman or Superman, uh, and, it, and yeah. it's that very bubbly, cartoony kind of, you know, 80s drawn like superheroes. Do you know what I mean? And this yeah. book is done that way, and it, it's really just not good. It's just – it seems really low level. I hate to say it because I love both these titles. But I, I'm afraid the art just killed it for me. Like, they're even well-written. It's a cool idea. It's not the most innovative or original or, cr you know, crazy idea. But the art is, I don't know, man. I hate to talk bad, but I got to talk bad. <laughs> got to be honest. Be honest. Yeah. All right. Well, here's, here's one I have a question for you. Did you see the new Batgirl this week? No. Okay. Um, I picked up a DC book. Wow. Yeah. Well, and you also heard that I, I stopped buying my X-Men books, too. Yes. That is a, that is an yeah. eventful event. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and, well, and hey, there, you know, this, this might all tie together. It might be that Marvel said, if Derek's not even buying X-Men books anymore, maybe it is time for us to cancel <laughs> it. Yeah, because you're about to have to change it to Drunk on Marvel Comics. Yeah. Thank it, God well, for Kevin. Thank God for you, Kevin. Hey, and there's a reason that we got Indy Turnpike in there, too. Yes, which is you know. excellent, yes. Yeah, that way we make sure that no matter what happens. Um, the, the the new Batgirl comic that came out this week is uh, number 35, and uh, Cameron Stewart um, and Brendan Fletcher wrote this, and then Cam Stewart also did breakdowns, but Babs Tarr is the artist, and this is the whole new outfit. For, I've uh, seen the outfit. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's 
she looks fantastic. Now, the one complaint that I've heard from people is that it didn't feel like that that it was the voice of Barbara Gordon to some people. Oh, really? But I I've never read a Barbara Gordon book. So to me, I have nothing but I I mean I'm a blank slate. Right, right. On this. Right. Um but they do explain like why she has to have the new costume, which is cool cuz normally it's just like, oh, new costume, you know. But she she loses all of her gear in a fire. And so she has to make something up and so she she makes up her own costume. Is that uh, how it happens? That's weird. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, and <laughs> but you know it's like She's 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 21 years old. The thing I liked about this book um, was it deals with a lot of issues that guys and girls that that would be her age in in the young 20s and even late teens that they have to deal with, you know, from the dating to the social media and all this shit in there. And I thought it was handled really well. Um, It's very interesting. And uh, the the artwork took me just a little bit to kind of get into um, because it, in some senses, um, it's cartoony, but then in other areas, man, it just fits and you get sucked into this, this little world. And uh, yeah, so I would, I would suggest to you that you go check that, that book out. Uh, I uh, I definitely made, especially now. I forgot it was coming out this week, the new suit. But uh, I'm happy that you picked that up and you enjoyed a bat book, man. Well, yeah, and and actually, I, I owe um, I owe thanks to uh, my buddy Jim, who uh, Jim Toe, which you, you know he used to fill in way back in the day as a guest host. Intern Jim. Yep. Sideshow yeah. Jim. Yeah, and he, uh, which by the way, I'm going to give him a little plug because he's he's a great dude, but. He he sent me a text or gave me a call or whatever, and he's like, he's like, oh my god, did you pick up the new Batgirl? And I'm like, I'm like, no, I haven't made it to the shop yet. And he's like, he goes, you need to get this book. And he just kept going on and on and on about it. So I'm like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And uh, yeah, I'm glad I did. But Jim actually has a new project out, um, and it, oh damn it, I'm gonna have to look him up and make sure that I'm not uh, not doing it wrong. But it's uh, he's got a new online project that he's doing that he is like writing and uh and drawing himself cool and uh hold on here one second it is silverplague.com Ooh. yeah and it's uh i think he's putting up like a, a page a week on it and he just put up his first um his first page and it's it's beautiful Cool. It's beautiful. I have to check that out for sure. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's the top of his game with with this this one here. So, uh, um, times. yeah, check that out and actually let me know what you think after after you look at it. And it I might say, while well, I was talking about this uh, Futures and Batman, uh, because it is a one shot, I might recommend you pick up that because it's a really cool one shot story. Um, takes place five years in the future, so there's a cool little like you know fun stuff in there. Uh, Lex Luthor is really, really well utilized in the story. Um, really well utilized. So if you like that kind of thing, you know, you might enjoy it. But uh, I've got a, que- a question from what we were talking about earlier. When the hell were Viper and Wolverine married? 
Uh, I honestly don't know. I think it was sometime between when I stopped reading and started reading again. How many wives has he had? Like, oh, well, I don't know how many wives, but he's had he's had a lot of uh, he's he's had a lot of loves, you know. But I think that whole time when he did that was back when it was uh, when the when it was Marvel Comics presents, like when when right. that first came out, and it was like starring Wolverine, you know, back in the uh, right, yeah, 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 late eighties, early nineties. Um, I, you know, cause that's, that's when he was going around as patch. Yeah. 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 That shit. So <laughs> patch. <laughs> yeah. That was terrible. Uh, was um, why is Thor not worthy right now? How did he lose his worth? Um, well, okay. If you were caught up on my podcast, you would have heard about this. Uh, I'm two episodes <laughs> behind on your podcast. Yeah, that's all right. Um, no, it's okay. Now I actually had to ask Tony about this because I I wasn't sure. But in the whole original sin event that went on, like that Watcher story, the original Nick Fury, not the Sam Jackson Nick Fury, but the original Nick Fury was fighting the the Avengers on the moon, and he basically kicked everyone's ass individually, and he walked over to Thor and whispered sweet nothings in his ear, and Thor was no longer able to lift Mjolnir. And no one knows what he said, though? Uh, Thor is the only one that knows. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. What could he have said to him that would make him drop the damn hammer? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it could be anything from, like, I like you know, him just walking up and saying, I like cookies. You know, it, it really doesn't matter because it's the that hammer and him being able to lift it was based on magic, you know, right. that he had to be worthy. So whatever it was, it was basically, you know, uh, Fury just either reversing the magic or adding on to the new spell. Oh, so it's probably a spell that he whispered. Okay. Now, the other thing that I thought about, and I haven't, I haven't talked about this to anybody else, is he could have actually just made Thor believe that he's no longer worthy. Yeah, that's kind of my first thing. wasn't so much a spell as he said something that got to Thor so much that for Thor, yeah, didn't feel he was worthy and dropped the hammer totally. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe he, you know, maybe Nick Fury walked up and whispered into Thor's ear the size of his man package. And, yeah, <laughs> and Thor's just like going, "Oh my God, I am not the man I thought I was." That's cool, yeah. man. That's so, cool. Yeah, so so that's that's that. It's um it, it's the question is now who is the new Thor? Who is this woman that can carry the hammer? Um it's very possible that it's Thor's mother, but, but it seems a little too easy with that, that does, answer. Yeah, so, that seems to be easy cuz he's got a new weapon too, doesn't he? Like he's got a new axe that's got a name or something too. Yeah. Uh, Jornborn or something like that. <laughs> like, oh, and uh, did did you read the new Thor issue? Uh, no, I don't read Thor. I'm not caught up on. I get all that news from you guys. But you guys were recently talking about whatever story it was that he's got uh, the beard back and uh, he's got the Destroyer's arm. Yeah, yeah, and actually, in Thor number one, he gets his arm cut off. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. Uh, so wait, no. they did finally do a DC style reboot because I know they kind of started Marvel Now number ones, but did they do a clean restart? Like no. Okay. No. I, I'd heard they were going to kind of do that, and I was like, yeah, no, another you, time. The one thing that, that that I'll give Marvel credit for is that there, yes, nothing's perfect, but Marvel's done a far better job of maintaining their um, ma- maintaining their continuity throughout the years than what DC did. DC needed to do a reboot. Yes, like, very I, true. They they got themselves like because it was just writer after writer after writer coming in at DC going, yeah, I don't like that, so I'm just going to pretend that didn't happen. And, and yep. the editors just going, well, all right, whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marvel, they've been they've been much better about me. Well, it's strange to have to think about both like DC and Marvel been around for so long. You've got all these characters. I mean, Batman is seventy five years old, and how do you continuously keep this continuity? Like a normal life like lifespan human being would not have seventy five years worth of their Batman life. Like, you know, they just don't age. Right. Right. Well, so you know, how the, do you uh, handle that? You know, what I've heard from, from, uh, Marvel, uh, is that they're now I didn't hear this directly from Marvel. Let me, let me clarify that. But what I understand is that Marvel looks at it and basically says that every 10 years of real time, like our time, is approximately one to two years in the Marvel universe. That could make sense. Yeah. And yeah. you know, it's you just have to suspend disbelief about you know the fact that you look back at at people making calls on on landlines and Superman, <laughs> you know, changing his clothes in a phone booth, and you know now everybody has cell phones. You, you have to just suspend a little bit of disbelief, but, you know, for me, for anybody that has a problem doing that, but they can believe that, you know, that uh, you can have a guy who has an adamantium skeleton and claws pops out of his hands, <laughs> um, go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you, you can't believe in one thing and, and go, well, that's not realistic, you know, because, no, it doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. You got you to gotta take it all as one kind of thing. Like, uh, you know what's cool, though? You know that Adventure Time cartoon? Yes, it creeps me the fuck out. Totally creepy. But uh, that kid ages with the show. So, like, the main character, Jake. Yeah. Or Finn, whichever one the boy is. I think he, I think Finn's the kid. Yeah, he ages. So, when he started the show, he was 12, and now he's, you know, Finn's, like, whatever, 15 or whatever. but uh, Or 16, I think. Or 17, but yeah, it's cool that this kid, because the original voice of the boy was this one kid, and then his voice changed when they wanted to finally, when the show finally got picked up, he was too different sounding, so they got his little brother and cast him on the show, and that little brother has been doing the voice as he grows, they've let Jake grow with him, or Finn, or whatever. That's really funny, because you know that other brother's got to be pissed. Uh, they asked him about it on this podcast. I heard. I think. Uh, I think he takes care of him or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm yeah. sure he does. But yeah. But uh, I don't know if you saw the Simpsons Family Guy crossover. I did not. Oh my god! It was some of the funniest TV I've seen in years. You know, I didn't even realize that it was happening. Oh, like I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know about it. But then again, this goes to show you how much I actually turn a television on. 
<laughs> but it's an hour-long special, but it just made me think of that because there's a scene in it where Nelson comes and bullies Bart. And uh, Stewie says to Bart, he's like, how long has that kid been doing that? And Bart goes, uh, about 24 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a great little line. <laughs> God, I, I, you know, I'm old enough to where I can actually remember. Um, I love that the original Simpsons cartoons that were on the, um, oh, the, the Tracy Ullman show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those... God, those were great. I would, shit, I think I was in junior high at the time, and I remember talking about those at lunch, you know, the next day, my friends, but, like, that and then Living Color was on, and... Oh, those are the good old days, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Late 80s, like, 1990. Yeah, it was, like, yeah. 87, 88, 89, like, right in that range. Oh, oh man. Well, when but... Fox first started, man, I mean, or Fox really started going and really started getting their groove on was you know around that time and they started doing neat shows they had the ben stiller show for a while and stuff you know like yeah that was well, uh cool stuff oh god they um what was uh married with children yeah married with children. and then cops the, the, the gary shandling show yes oh my god that was like this is the theme to Gary show. This is the theme to Gary show. Yeah. Just, oh my God, that show was was so. Well, Gary Shandling is so fucking weird, but he's hilarious. But, <laughs> Total. He was. He did really well in the Marvel movies. He played a nice sleazy kind of sleaze, you know. Because wasn't that character in the books? Uh, his. Avengers Senator character that was an actual character in the book if I'm not mistaken was it you know I don't know um for as much Marvel as I've read I've really stuck primarily to the X-Men right right I think he was an actual like not a huge character but I think he was actually somewhat in a couple issues or something you know yeah so it was pretty cool how they they went that tight with it you know so yeah there was uh uh although am I remembering correctly that he was it in the, what uh, was it in the TV show or was it in the movie when when he whispered "Hail Hydra"? That was in the movie. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I couldn't I couldn't remember. I'm like going, wait, when did I see him do that? But yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Took a while to come. Um, there's someone I need to talk to you about. Okay. I have kind of become obsessed with a certain individual who is one of your friends that lives out there and his art blows my fucking mind like nothing I've seen in years. Okay. And that's Mr. Ryan Lee. Oh God. Yes. I cannot comprehend the talent that comes out of this guy's fucking fingertips. What I can't comprehend is how insanely good this guy is and how he is not working on a major, major book right now. Yeah, I agree. I don't get it. It's it's one of those things where when you look at his art, you're like, that's about as raw talent as it gets. Like, his 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 style, first of all, is something I love. The detail, the cross hatching, the intricacy, the the ink style, the the character, like caricature he brings to it. It's yeah. unlike any. It's unlike anything anybody's been doing for so long but it does remind me of old like mad tv 70s 80s 
like caricatures. You know what I mean? And uh, yet, yet he it's, takes it's it even deeper. How good he is! Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I I don't even know what the deal is. Everybody, go out there get a book called The Naturals, and uh, you'll see what me, me, we mean. But also, uh, go on to Facebook, and there's the art of Ryan Lee. He recently posted six caricatures of the Sinister Six that he did. And, man, it just – you're so right. How is this guy not heavily employed at the top? Like, it's a yeah. skill level. Like, I, I, I'm going to have him on the show soon. I talked to him the other day, and I was like, you motherfucker are coming back on this show. We're going to talk some more in depth because I did get to pod with him. He was on the Motor City Con special. Yep. But uh, that was only like a quick 10-minute chat, more about the naturals and just kind of, you know, like a con chat, right? Yeah. And I need to have a good sit-down conversation with this guy and just figure out where it comes from, how much of this is raw talent, how much is hard work. Uh, just how does he see that kind of stuff in his head and put it through onto the page? Like when Ryan Stegman was talking uh, to you guys and he was saying how at one point after he wasn't drawing for a while, he sucked. Like yeah. when he was in his college level drawing wasn't as good as his high school level drawing, and uh, you know because he couldn't see quite see like what he saw in his head he couldn't get it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yet I don't know how that it's like whatever comes through Ryan Lee like what that guy set, sees in his head has got to be exactly what goes on that page. Dude, his uh, it, I will tell you I can I will answer part of this because Ryan probably won't tell you, um, but the amount of work that guy puts in is ridiculous. That guy busts his hump at C2E2. He stayed up like all night working on commissions. Like he just sat there just drawing all fucking night. Well, to the layman or even someone who's kind of, you know, uh, you know, drawn and dabbled in the arts, like for years, like I have that. I'm curious about his speed as well, because when I look at his pictures, I'm like, that must've taken three days to draw. Like, I just, well, you you saw the typhoid Mary that he, he did for me, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm I would estimate based on that he it probably took him a couple hours to do that. It's unreal, man. Yeah. Um, like I can't take my eyes off it. There's so much to look at within the picture itself well, that you Tony, almost want to get a magnifying glass and get a closer look. You know? Yeah. Tony got uh like. Tony had him do a commission. Actually, uh, Ryan did Tony's very first commission ever. Um, but it was, uh, it was like the, some, I don't know, giant, uh, giant transformer. Um, the, the, the robot from, um, Power Rangers and then, uh, Voltron, like yeah. the, the three giant robots, dude, like there's so many fine pencil and pen strokes in that thing. I'm like going, how the fuck did you do that? Like it is, <laughs> yeah. it's nuts. Yeah. But yeah, I, and people can find him on Twitter. Um, it's Riley art. Um, I know he's there and I know he's got the Instagram. Speaking and... of Riley fucking art. Now that we've sat here, Mr. Ryan Lee and gushed about your ass the way that we have, how about you follow me back on Twitter? Huh? How, how about you do that? Okay, I, I'm very appreciative that you follow an elegant weapon, but the Jedi Ross is right there, but following you forever. So I you, think you, know, I, you know, actually, what's funny is that Stegman follows me personally, but he doesn't follow Drunk on Comics. 
it's weird. <laughs> some things go back and forth. Yeah, it's it's weird when some people follow and some people don't. You know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, get on there and do that, Ryan. Uh, you're a hell of an artist. I can't wait to have him on and uh, and talk again. So anything coming up for you guys? Any uh, any more events or happenings that you guys will be? Uh... Uh, there there's some some smaller local shows that we're gonna probably traipse around and you know uh, check out. But beyond that, um, you know, well, Kevin and Matt both just had their babies recently. Oh so. yes, massive congratulations to those guys, especially uh, especially with them being so close together. Pretty much, it's it's nice, you know. Yeah, well, you know, Matt's they were actually supposed to have been quite a bit closer together, but Matt's daughter um, popped out of the oven a little early, <laughs> um, so they kept her on the warming plate. Uh, you know, at the uh, the hospital for a little while before she got to come home. Um, but everybody's healthy and great there. And so they got to bring their daughter home, and it was like a, oh, about two weeks later, uh, Kevin's wife uh, had their baby. And uh, I don't know if you've seen pictures of Kevin's baby, but it looks exactly like Kevin. It's adorable. It, it's a <laughs> tiny, tiny little Kevin, and it's weird. Like, I'm awesome, like, awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, like uh, it's 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 kind of the the joke is that Warren didn't really do that much other than just Warren, his wife, other than just be the vessel for Kevin's DNA cloning. <laughs> just filtered that shit through quick, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here, make another Kevin. Okay, there you go. Good How job. How are your puppies doing? Oh, well, well, my parents' puppies. They're they're doing wonderfully. They uh. Today was their second day of puppy school, uh, <laughs> but you know my parents are. Uh, well, my mom's. Uh, I, 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 my parents are older. I don't know if they would want me saying, uh, but they're. You know, they're basically retired. Right. Um, and puppies are a lot, you know. But yeah. uh, you know, two puppies is even is even more. <laughs> um, so they're taking them to puppy school to get them to kind of learn how to behave a little bit better and. Uh, they're uh, they're going to Whiskers University, <laughs> which horrible. yeah, isn't it? But <laughs> excuse Whiskers. me, the uh, yeah. the, uh, the the people here are are, are fantastic, and um, yeah, they the the girls are are doing well. They're they're That's already learning. That's so. good to hear. So uh, before we wind her up here, do you have anybody in particular that you'd like to send shoutouts, props, or other such promotions for? Uh, we've, we've actually, we've done a ton of them today, haven't we already? We have, we've thrown in a lot. There's, uh, you know, it's, uh, getting to be a part of this community that, you know, as much as it keeps growing in a way, it's, it's still an intimate thing. Cause you find these areas of people who now, especially, which is cool after fan expo and because of Twitter. And one great thing about podcasts that I enjoy is that they do bring people together. They do cross lines, you know? Uh, you know, I've, I've made tons of amazing new friends through you guys. I know you've made a couple of friends, uh, through us. And by the way, you said earlier, did I really introduce you to Tart? I, I think it was, I think it was you that, that turned me on to it. That's an honor. I am yeah. honored to know that. Like, yes. I'm, <laughs> I think it was like, I think you, 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 you sent me a, uh, a tweet going, Hey, have you seen this yet? Okay. And I was like, <clears throat> No, but I need to. <laughs> so yeah, Good and then uh, then Kevin was was kind enough to send um, send me a PDF of that, and 
that was one of our very first, uh, one of our very first, if not our first, Kickstarter project that we talked about on the show. Nice. Yeah. So my my biggest concern with that one was trying to figure out what I wanted for the uh, what what I wanted as far as the 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 prize, I guess you call it. Right, right. Your 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 reward for for pledging, and I talked to Kevin on the phone, um, and I'm like, dude, I just can't decide to go. And it's not really about the money. I just can't decide because, you know, it's like there's like I don't know maybe thirty dollars difference between twenty or thirty dollars difference between a set of the 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 pint glasses that had the tart logo on them. Yeah, yeah. Which you know me and drink <laughs> comics. It's like come on. Yeah. Or the original art, and uh, Kevin said he goes, "Does if money's not an issue, he goes get the art." He goes, "I'll ha-, he goes, I'll, I'll probably have glasses later." Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. The art, the art's more important. Yeah, sure. come on. Yeah. Which, speaking of, I cannot wait uh, for my girlfriend to bring my original page uh, from issue four back. She's got it. She picked it up for me in New York. Very nice. Yeah. Yes. So that's uh, that's exciting. Um, Oh, you know, actually, somebody who uh, actually who you need to reach out to um, is Chris uh, Chris Miskevich from the the writer for Thomas Alsop. That guy is a blast to talk to. And, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if you heard our interview with him or not, but you know, I asked Mel. I'm like, so I'm like, was he the same in person as he was on the the interview? She goes, she goes, that guy is awesome. She's like. He has so many stories; it's insane. And what does he draw on? Sorry. Uh, he writes uh, Thomas Alsop. What's Thomas Alsop? I don't know what that is. This is a book. You, man, you must be farther back on our podcast than, than two episodes. I'm pretty. I'm. I'm just. Uh, I'm just finishing the second uh, part of the Grand Con interviews. Okay. Um, well, we interviewed Chris before Grand Con. I sorry. Oh. In fact, you were just talking about uh, to the He-Man guy. Which was oh, really uh, cool. Yeah, that was super cool to listen to that guy. What's his name? Pop, uh, Pop Man. Yeah, Pop Man. That was because uh, those books are great. That was cool to get to hear that for sure. Yeah, but so Chris, uh, Chris Miscavige, um, he writes this book called Thomas Alsop, and it's from Boom Studios, and it's a, uh, it's an eight issue, um, eight or ten issue, uh, miniseries, and the basic idea of it is um, that there, there's one person that uh, from the Alsop family who has been cursed or uh, or cursed or given the right to, however you want to look at, uh, they have to be the hand of the island, which basically this person is there to stop all supernatural um, bad things from happening to Manhattan. So it, they kind of protect the island from, like, demons and ghosts and spirits and shit like that. And uh, it's, it's been going on since, like, the 1600s that, that the Alsop family has had to do this. Um, but it, it's, it is such a New York story because New York plays such a massive role in it because, obviously, this guy really can't leave Manhattan. Um, but it, it's just... And Pally Schmidt is doing the art on this, and he's a, a guy out of um, out of Denmark. And holy shit, is this a solid, solid book? Hopefully, they will have more story arcs of Thomas Alsop 
um, later on uh, down the road. But yeah, you really need to check this book out. Sounds very cool. Sounds yeah. cool indeed. It's a really neat idea. And there's a lot that revolves around um, around the World Trade Centers in 9/11. Oh, neat. Um, which that is such a touchy and sensitive subject mm-hmm. that you know, like I I hate to say it, like there's a difference because some people will will, will either want to handle it with kid gloves, um, but he handles it with white gloves, and he does such a nice job with it. Um, that it's it's not the main part of the story, but like you know, he kind of said, "How do you deal with a supernatural horror story, and deal with ghosts and this and that, and have it be in Manhattan and and ignore the fact that nine eleven happened? You can't, you know, it's it's too big, it's yeah. too much of of who those people that live there are. You know, everybody either they lost somebody or they know somebody that lost somebody, basically, you know, on that day." And so it's uh, – I'm trying not to give anything away because I want, I, want, I want people to go out and read this. But it is so damn well written and so beautifully drawn that, yeah, it's – You have me intrigued, sir. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things. And actually that was the one thing Boom had in New York Comic-Con exclusive of uh, issue one that they, they had limited to 250 uh, – copies and so um i was lucky enough once again that my my girlfriend uh grabbed me a copy of that so so sweet of her yeah <laughs> so but yeah um but yeah get in, get in touch with chris i think you would love talking with this guy he is uh sounds good i am also very behind in getting uh mr yuvari on the show Oh, Jason, yes. Yes, far, far behind. I had a, He was a fantastic fellow to hang out with at Motor City. I cannot wait for next year. <laughs> like, I'm so excited about Motor City, I can't even tell you. It's so far away, yet I'm already fucking stoked to see all those people I met once, and I'm, like, stoked to go back and see them again, you know? Well, um... It's, it's the characters. It's the cast of characters going on in this, like, little Michigan contingent... That it's just unbelievable. There's so many people I'd love to have on the show because everybody's just so individual with what they're doing. Whether it's the artists out there, or, you know, talking to Dirk Manning was great. Cosmic Casey, I'd love to have her on the show. She's she's a hoot, you know. Uh, and and, and she she's a sweetheart too. She uh, <clears throat> she's a lot of fun to hang out with. Oh, damn! Like you you missed um when when we were when we had GrandCon, the, the the small show here in Grand Rapids, the the gaming and comics show. Um, Casey came over and, uh, and along with a bunch of our other friends from, from the Detroit area, Josh and Bree Werner, um, you know, uh, Jason, AKA Hollywood Westlake, <laughs> um, Dirk Manning was there, Seth the Moose, uh, these guys from Michigan Comics Collective who, who we'd met Travis McIntyre and his, his, uh, Motley crew, um, some guys from, uh, Snake Oil Comics, which I think you've talked to online, uh, they... We grabbed a huge group of people, Mark McKenna, um, all these people, and we took them out both Friday and Saturday night and showed them Grand Rapids. And the first night we went to uh, um, a place which is uh, a pinball bar, and they've got about 25, 30 different pinball machines in there and a lot of really good craft Michigan craft beers. And then the next night, everybody decided that they wanted to do karaoke, so we did karaoke. And holy hell did we do karaoke. 
<laughs> I that heard was... I heard some of the talk on that on your show. <laughs> yeah, that that was a sight. Uh, Devin from Snake Oil, like Devin, Devin's a big guy, and uh, like he came into the show dressed like uh, uh, Chris Farley's Matt Foley character. Yeah, I saw the picture of that too. <laughs> yeah, he cracked me up. Like he comes over to the table Saturday morning or whatever it was. And, like, they were sitting back-to-back with us, and I'm getting stuff ready, and I'm, like, I'm in the zone. Like, I mean, I'm, like, I'm still a little fuzzy from the night before, but, like, I got I got my work hat on, you know? And uh, I'm sitting there, and he just comes right around the, the corner. And, like, I'd seen him from the back, and I'm like, why is Dev wearing a, a, a jacket, you know, a sport coat? And he just comes around the corner, and he's like, so what are you fellas going to do today? <laughs> And I lost my shit because he's in like full character mode. And I'm like going, oh, my God. But Devin sang uh, like he couldn't figure out what to sing. And so I I uh, bribed him with a shot. Um, <laughs> and he sang I Touch Myself by the Divinals. Awesome. Love that song. Yep. And uh, very animated when he did it. Dirk, uh, Dirk uh, motherfucking Manning did uh, a couple different songs. He did. uh he did uh, Jeremy uh, by Pearl Jam, and then he, he sang a Black Sabbath song, and I can't remember which one it was now. Nice. Um, but, yeah. And uh, Tony and I, to come back around to uh, to Miss Cosmic Casey, Tony and I sang Stacy's Mom, but we decided to sing it as Casey's Mom. Oh. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was, that was awesomely funny. So I think we embarrassed her a little bit, which is – that's pretty hard to do. Yeah, that's that. I get the impression that would be a difficult thing to do for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, that'll be next May, kids. Uh, we'll head back down to Michigan for another good time, hopefully at uh, Motor City Comic Con. Yeah, dude, we're only like seven months away. Yeah, it's not too far, and there'll be uh, the winter months are coming. And may I uh, remind all you kids out there that are here in the GTA area that uh, our con season is not, in fact, a season because it never ends. And, of course, coming up in uh, March and in January, we will have our variations of the Toronto Comic-Cons. And uh, that'll be definitely good times. Also, uh, winter is particularly busy season for uh, toy collectors and uh, action figure expos and such that are going on. And uh, they're always happening at the Delta uh, Meadowvale, up there in Meadowvale, which is just up the street from me. But... uh, There'll be lots more of those shows going on. They always have cool voice actors that we like to talk to and stuff. So it's going to be a fun winter, I'm thinking, kids. It's going to be good times. But uh, you need to go to drunkoncomics.com. It's that simple. It's that easy. And uh, you have lots of more things there than just your uh, podcast. You've got guys doing reviews for you and... uh, you know, art and stuff. You've got some cool commissions going on. I have a commission going right now. I don't want to see who it is yet. It's uh, it's for the show. It's a uh, it's a new logo for the show, and uh, I'm very 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 excited about it. I'm giving the guy plenty of time to do his thing. Nice. And, and make it good. But uh, I'm very 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 stoked about this one. So when that comes out it'll be a big surprise for you kids but Derek thank you so much for hanging out today kid uh, you you are are very welcome thank you for having me um oh one last thing cuz i don't know if you saw it uh 2 weeks ago the last issue of burn the orphanage came out okay yeah cena grace yeah yep and uh there was a variant cover by Seth DeMoose on it was there yeah i don't think i did see that yeah i my shop did not have um 
did not have that cover in, but uh, Cena's at New York, so I have a copy of that coming back from me. Your lady is a good lady. She treats you well, fella. She treats she, you she, well. You know, she takes she takes damn good care of me. I'm not gonna lie. It's uh, you know, and and seriously, a guy like me who can complain that his girlfriend's at New York Comic Con. Yeah, what the hell is the matter with you? When you got a girl cool enough to be like, I don't care if you're not coming, I'm fucking going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of Brad you want to keep around. Two last things. Number one, congratulations, Ricky Lima and D.A. Bishop, on the full fundage, in fact, stretch goals reached Kickstarter for Deep Sea, the original graphic novel. If you all want to read a really fucked up story, uh, they might even actually, that was a quote I gave them. This, this book is fucked up and, uh, they're considering actually putting that on it, which would be really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I'd love that. A comic with the quote by the generous on the back. This book is fucked, <laughs> but fucked in a good way. It's a really, really creepy, cool little make you think, uh, kind of deal that's come out. Uh, the Kickstarter is still there. If you people want to check it out. Um, even though it's closed, there's been many stretch goals and lots of cool stuff. So that is on Kickstarter at Deep Sea. Uh, support your Canadian artists and uh, check that out. It's super cool. And speaking of uh, Canadiana, it's Thanksgiving weekend. Um, love your families. Hug your kids. Hug your grandma. Hug your mom. Hug your dad. Love everybody. Hug your dog. Um, show your thanks. You should be thankful every day, of course. Uh, we live in a wonderful world. We uh, live in some wonderful countries where we get many, many wonderful freedoms. So be thankful, be appreciative, and that's all we're going to have this week on An Elegant Weapon, kids. Happy Thanksgiving, and take it easy.